Thank you, Carrie. Well, today we are going to dive into a, a new series. Um, so we, we spent several weeks in Hebrews, um, and, and now we're going to look into the parables of Jesus for probably the next six weeks or so. We're going to have uh, different parables each week, and um, the parables are, are quite fascinating because, um, you know, there are some scriptures that say, don't do this, got it, or scriptures that say, do this, got it, good. But the parables do something different, right? They just give us a story and just say, chew on that. Think about that. Apply that to your life. Well, in, in preparing to start this series, I turned to a book that I have that's entitled uh, Short Stories by Jesus. Um, and it's by a lady named Jill, Amy Jill Levine. Um, it's, it's a very good read. And the parable that I'm talking about today, she doesn't discuss it in the book, but she says some interesting things in her introduction to the book, and, um, and I wanted to sh- I'll share a couple of those things throughout the sermon today, some, some good insight. But one of the first things she says in the books, in her book, is what makes the parables mysterious or difficult is that they challenge us to look unto the hidden aspect, aspects of our own values, our very own lives. That's what makes the parables unique and challenging. And then she goes on to say that a text without a context is just a pretext for making it say anything that one wants. As we ramp up into a season of political campaigns, we're going to see a lot of that from both sides, no matter where you fall. People take one sentence and they use it for however they want to use it, right? Well, what she's saying is is that that's the same thing with Scripture, that, that... A text without a context is just a pretext to saying whatever you want to say. And then she says, if we get the context wrong, we'll get Jesus wrong. And today it's my prayer that we don't get Jesus wrong. But that we seek the the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we dive into this parable. And, And context here, we're going to be in Luke chapter 14. Context here is very, very important, okay? So so put yourself in 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 this place. Where is Jesus at while he's saying this parable? He's going to be sitting at the table of a Pharisee. You see, some people were kind of upset with what Jesus was doing in the town, and so he ran off to this Pharisee's house as a safe haven. The Pharisee said, hey, come hang with me. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll keep you safe. And while he was there, he caused a little bit more of a ruckus because he decided to heal on the Sabbath. And so all, all the good Pharisees were just kind of disturbed by that and Jesus goes on to say hey if if your ox had fallen in a ditch on the Sabbath wouldn't you have gotten it out I mean you're not going to wait till the next day and they're speechless and so they decide all right it's time to eat let's just eat eating fixes everything right and so they they come they go into the next room and they go around the table and what do they do they all take the places of honor around the table and Jesus I can just picture him shaking his head you're missing it, guys. So then Jesus goes on to tell him, hey, if you went to a wedding, a, a wedding feast, you wouldn't just go and take the place of honor because there's obviously other people in this room that deserve that place, that place of honor. But the Pharisees said, well, we're good Pharisees. We are of the law. We should take the place of honor. And Pharisees, I've said it before, but they often get a bad rap. Pharisees aren't bad people. Just think of Pharisees as the people that were just so devout to following the law to the T 
that it was really messing them up that Jesus was coming to fulfill it. And so that's, that's where our parable picks up here. This, this is what Jesus goes into after he tells them, you can't take the seat of honor at, at a wedding party. And I invite you to stand this morning as we read the word of the Lord, as, as we hear it together. From Luke chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 15 and read through 24. One of the dinner guests on hearing this said to him, Blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, Someone gave a great dinner, a great banquet, and invited many. At the time for the dinner, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a piece of land, and I I must go and see it. Please accept my regrets. Excuse me. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to try them out. Please accept my regrets. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just been married, and therefore I cannot come. So the slave returned and reported to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and said to his slave, Go out at once into the streets and lanes of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the slave said, Sir, what you ordered has been done, and there is still room. Then the master said to the slave, Go out into the roads and lanes and compel the people to come in, so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So so, some... Uh, friends of scripture call this the great dinner some call it the great banquet Uh, i'm going to refer to it as a banquet just because to me banquet sounds more exquisite more bigger fancier nicer so my question to you today is have you ever been to a great banquet some of you are nodding your head yes i i can't really honestly say that i have um you know i've been to weddings but i've never been to one of those like uber fancy weddings that's like dress code and and everything happens like this in the white tablecloths. I've never done all that, but I have been invited to a banquet before. When I was in high school, probably 10th grade, uh, I was a leader in my high school's FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You're probably familiar with that. And, uh, and for some reason, I got invited uh, to, be, to come to the regional banquet, uh, which had several towns combined, several county schools combined, and, and I was invited to introduce the speaker. Well, I was very honored, and I thought, wow, I, I didn't even know that I, I was known, but I got to go. So it was large, a large gathering, but I don't think you would really call it a great banquet, but it was the closest I could come to, maybe 100 to 200 people. So I get, I get there, and the guy that I'm to introduce that night, his name is Mark Cahill. And Mark Cahill, he, he played basketball at Auburn with Charles Barkley, and he was a part of a really good squad um, while he was there. But Charles Barkley was on the team, so nobody remembered Mark Cahill. They all remembered Charles Barkley. Well, Mark Cahill is, uh, is a Christian author and writer, and he's write, written many books. Many uh, of his books are about uh, converting people and trying to lay out the gospel plain as day and, and and give people books so they can read it and, and know Christ. Well, I, I got to talk to him for a, a maybe two minutes before it was my turn to introduce him. And now, let me back up a little bit. Leading up to this banquet, I knew for about a month that I was going to get to introduce this guy, and 
like I said, I was humbled. But as time went on, I kind of began to get a little prideful. I thought, man, out of the whole region, they picked me. I get to introduce this guy, right? So I felt a little superior to the other leaders, and I, I, my, my head started to get a little big. Well, the night finally comes. I'm talking to Mark. I think they gave me a little bio, maybe, but I was like, eh, I'll go off the cuff. Who cares, right? So I get up, and as you know, I could talk about anything for however long. So I get up, and I start talking about Mark, and, and I mention that he played basketball at the University of Auburn. Now, some of you chuckle, maybe you get it. In, in the state of Alabama, there are, are lots of colleges, but there are two that people really, really care about. There is the one in Tuscaloosa that I, the University of Alabama, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one on the, a little further north, well, no, actually, it's south, I think. Yeah, it's south in Tuscaloosa, but it's Auburn University. So, yeah. So, I get up. And I, I give my spiel, and then I'm like, and he played basketball at the University of Auburn. I mixed the two names. And that was like, I just got up and cursed. I mean, it was, and, and so I was in West Georgia at the time. So, I mean, we were closer to Auburn than we were to Athens. There was a lot of Auburn fans in that side of the, uh, of the state. They were mistaken, but they were there. And so... The, the many heads began to turn, and people even called out, it's Auburn University. And so here comes Mark Cahill, and the very first thing he says into the microphone, it's Auburn University. <laughs> and I thought, man, I had a big head about this. I was honored. I probably spoke for all of like 45 seconds, and what did I do? I messed up. I really messed up. It, it really did. It, it made me feel great. But what, what I realized was that I felt like I was the guest of honor at this thing. I thought that I was like the bomb. When really, there was 200 people there, and nobody knew who I was. And nobody came because Ryan Watt was introducing the speaker. They came because there was a guy named Mark Cahill that was going to speak. And he was the guest of honor, and he was important. So I was humbled, even though I messed up by the fact that I was, I was chosen to do this. The banquet in our parable today truly is great. It's much more than a banquet at a fancy restaurant in LaGrange, Georgia. We see that the host sends out the servant to invite the people in, and we get three different invitations throughout this parable. The first invitation to the great banquet is the original one, is what I call it, because it seems, if we read this, that these people already knew that the banquet was happening. They had gotten the save the date in the mail, or they had been invited by word of mouth. Somewhat, somehow, they knew that the banquet was coming, because the only instructions given are, go tell them that it's ready. Well, you had to know something was coming if all that you're told is, it's ready, come and eat. And from these... This, this first invitation, we get three excuses, right? The first excuse, I just bought a field, and I must go see it. First off, I want to ask the question, did he buy a field without first seeing it? If so, that's kind of strange. 
Secondly, obligations are important. But when we're invited to something greater than our obligations, we must be willing to lay that down so that we can be a part of that which is more important. All of us have obligations. And we all have to make that tough decision. Is this more important or is this more important? Do I go here? Do I go there? I can't be in two places at once. And folks, 99 times out of 100, your obligation to your family is the most important obligation you have. The second one. I've just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. So if you don't know, five yoke of oxen is actually ten oxen, but a yoke is this uh, contraption that, that kind of holds them together so that the two can power at one time. They can, their power can be joined together. So if it was a machine, uh, I guess it would be measured in ox power, and the yoke makes it two ox power. But it's interesting that he uses the term here, try them out. While these oxen are going to help him complete his work, the term try them out makes me think of getting a new toy, right? And I'm not just talking about kids. We all know that there are things that we save up for as adults that are toys to us. Whether it's a new iPad, whether it's a motorcycle, whether it's a new board game, no matter what it is, we all have our toys and we enjoy our toys, Something as big as a motorcycle or something as small as a new paring knife can bring us excitement. And after we have finally purchased them, all you want to do is get home and use it. It's all you can think about. Five yoke of oxen would not have been a cheap thing. He would have been saving up for a while to, to buy five yoke of oxen. So not only is he excited to have them, but he's worked hard to be able to afford this. And now he finally has it. Yet, right after he buys them, he gets a great invitation. And sadly, we can look at it and say he made the wrong choice. When it comes to our toys, they're great to have. But they have to have the right place in our list of priorities in life. They really do. No matter how long we have tried to save up for them, they've got to fall on the right spot in our priority list. And thirdly, maybe the most humorous of all the excuses, I just got married. This sounds like a pretty good excuse. I mean, anyone that's gotten married knows that in those early days especially, you're kind of walking on pins and needles because you don't know, can I make a decision without them? Can I commit us to be somewhere? Can I spend this amount of money without asking them? And this was just a few years before cell phones, so they couldn't just pick up the phone and say, hey, are we going to the banquet? No, I mean... I do wonder why he, he didn't just go grab his wife and come to the banquet. But also, he couldn't just stick around for the banquet and then get home and the wife say, where were you? You're hours and hours late. And what's his excuse? I was at the buffet. <laughs> we were chowing. We had a good time. I, I, I remember that. And, and even now, I mean, no matter how long you've been married, there are certain times where you... You have to make that decision. Can I decide without my spouse here? Can I or can I not? And sometimes you just can't. You have to have that extra, extra input. Asking if he could have plus one. That would have been a good idea. But then he just blames his marriage and says, I just got married. I, I can't come. You see, relationships are important. We have to be faithful, we have to be honest, we have to be open, we have to be available to those that we are in, in any kind of relationship with. 
But we just cannot forget that there's one relationship that has to guide all others. And that relationship is with the one who is the host of the great banquet. When the excuses were just too prevalent, we get the second invitation that goes out to those who are poor, crippled, blind, and lame in the city streets. You see, these people had a much better perspective on, the, on, on what's going on here. Now, while they, they very well could have been hungry and thought, oh, banquet-free food, these people knew that they were being invited to a place that they had never been invited before. They knew that there was somebody handing out invites that actually wanted them to be there. And for them, that was life-changing. They had never been seen as important before, but they now get an invite, not just to a party, but to the great banquet. There's no way they wouldn't go. There's no way that they wouldn't drop everything and say, relationships can wait my obligations can wait. My toys can wait. I'm going to go check this out. And then the final invitation comes. It's sent out to those in the country streets, and the people come running. This is a big deal. I mean, I, I grew up in a small town. It was a big deal when I got invited to the big banquet in LaGrange. And LaGrange is not a huge town, if you know, but that was a big city for me. It was a big deal. I didn't even check my calendar. Although I was in 10th grade and didn't have much going on, I didn't check my calendar because I knew, hey, this banquet, that's where I want to be. They picked me from little old Manchester to come out there. This is a big deal, and they're not missing out. You see, there's enough room for everyone to be a part and enjoy the greatest banquet of their lives. Because don't miss that. When the poor and the crippled from the city come, the servant says, hey, there's plenty of room. We need more people. And so the people from the, city, the country, the rural areas come flood in because there is always enough. But I think we can't miss this final point that's made in our text today. While there is enough for everyone, the host is not worried about running out of chairs. The host says that those that have declined invitation have declined it. There's no turning back. Those that are invited willingly turn down this invitation to eat from this banquet and gather around this table. And while there's enough for everyone, there's no coming back tomorrow for leftovers. There's no to-go plates from the great banquet. It's an invitation that we must Except, Again, I'll quote the book that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon. Levine says this, talking about Jesus. He, Jesus, is consistently meeting people. Not at the altar, but at a table. Whether as the host, the guest, or the body and blood to be consumed, he is indiscriminate in his dining companions, who include Pharisees, tax collectors, sinners, and even an upscale family consisting of, of two sisters and a formerly dead brother. The feeding of the 5,000 is the one miracle story recounted in all four Gospels. To be in his presence is not only to be challenged and comforted, but is to celebrate around a table. You see, Jesus 
tells this parable of the great banquet to inform the Pharisees, to remind them that, hey, this isn't just about following the law, but this is about coming into communion with me so that your relationship with God be restored. And so today we're going to partake in communion together. And in the church of the Nazarene, we practice open communion, which means you don't have to be a Nazarene, you don't have to be a member of our church. To come to table today is just to say that you believe that Jesus Christ, the very one who on this table, is for us a means of grace. Who is for us the way to which our relationship with God can be restored. So today, I want you to just take a moment. And we, we often think about the great banquet as the end, right? Judgment day almost. Like, the, the, this is the end. And at the end, I hope that I've accepted the invitation to the great banquet. But I believe for each and every one of us that there are great banquets that we are missing out on each and every week because God is calling us to do something and we come up with a mis- an, an excuse. We say, oh, I have this obligation. Oh, I just got married. Oh, I just bought this toy and I've been waiting for months to know how it works. And God, I'd really just rather get on home then step out and take another evening to do this. Whatever it may be, I, I, I pray that, that you would ask the Lord to seek your heart in the ways in which you've made excuses. Excuses to say, hey, if God is in it, and if God has come to it, there's nothing else that I would rather be a part of than accepting the invitation to this great banquet. Pastor Trevor's going to come and, and help me today. Um, and, and we're going to have a video that's going to play as, as we serve the communion. And then I, I invite you to hold your elements once you get back to your seat. And, uh, and we will partake together um, after the, the video has, has been completed. But first, let us pray. Lord, we are grateful today for this broken body. This body that was sacrificed on our behalf. This body that, that didn't just remain whole, but was physically broken open and outpoured blood and water. Father, help us today seek our hearts for the ways in which which we have created excuses for accepting the invitations that you are giving us to feast around your table. And forgive us for the times that we have declined that invitation and we've just gone through a drive-thru that we have not come to the greatest banquet that there is and we've settled for less. Father, it's our prayer today that this broken body and this shed blood would be for us, your broken body and shed blood, so that we can be just that for the world around us today. And as we accept those invitations that we invite others into this meal around your table. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you spend time in prayer and then come and receive the elements and again hold them until we partake together after the video.
is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give for the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table, come join the sinners who have been redeemed, take your place beside the Savior, sit down and be set free, come to the table. and his thieves there's no one unwelcome here and that sin and shame that you brought with you you can leave it at the door and let mercy draw you To the young and to the older, all who hunger, all who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, you've been forgiven, all who dream and all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow. to the table you need to be set free today may this table be a place where that can happen where you sit before the lord and you say i don't deserve this body i don't deserve this blood i i 
but I'm here. You've invited me. By the very grace of God, I have received an invitation to this great banquet. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus, he gathered his disciples in the upper room. For he knew what was going to happen, and he knew that this would be the last time that they would get to to share of Passover together. And as per custom, there was lots of bread there, and and before the meal, he, he took the bread, and he broke it. And he said that this is my body, which is broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And at the end of the meal, they would have filled the cup one final time. And they would have shared from one common cup. And Jesus raised up and he blessed it. And he said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful today grateful for this invitation that we could never deserve or earn but that yet you invite us anyways for this invitation that has there's there's enough space on the list for all but lord we also recognize that there will be a day when the invitation has run out and so god help us to accept this invitation Help us to invite others into this great banquet. Lord, I pray today that this parable would just continue to stir in our hearts. As it means much more than anything that I've said today, but that it would just be be a part of our week this week. That we would keep reflecting on your scripture and your word. and, And recognizing that you're inviting us into greater things each and every day. Lord, help our excuses not to get in the way. Father, for the person that may be sitting in this room today that said, oh, I just need your grace. Lord, may this invitation, may this partaking of the broken body and shed blood be an infilling of your grace in their lives that would be to the point of overwhelming so that they would know that they are loved and accepted and that they have a seat at your table. We're grateful for your scripture, for for our our fellow believers, this great cloud of witnesses that we're with today. Lord, challenge us in this week as we go forward. Make us new, make us whole, make us yours. We ask this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Would you stand and receive a blessing this morning? Would you go from this place as a people who have accepted the invitation to the great banquet and refuse to let your excuses get in the way? Go in his grace and his peace. Amen.